0: If you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Today we're in Jonah 4, verses 1 through 4. We'll put the words up on the screen too, but I'll read it for you. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and no one and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. The Lord asked, is it right for you to be angry? Pray with me. Lord, as we turn towards your word, I humbly request that your Holy Spirit would come. Lord, that you would be here with a demonstration of your power, that you would speak to us. Convict us where we need convicting. Encourage us where we need encouragement. Through it all, Lord, I pray that by the time we're finished today, we look more like Jesus than when we started. Amen. Please be seated. Is it right for you to be angry? Now that is an intense question. Anger is a polarizing emotion. It's an emotion that can make us hide when we see anger on our parents' face. It's an emotion that can fill us with rage and the urge to fight back. We get angry at so many things, both right and justified, or fickle and unrighteous. Anger is what you feel when your kids don't listen, or worse, when they talk back and stomp their feet in defiance. It's the emotion that wells up when we read news articles of child abuse and neglect, It's the feeling that grabs at our guts when we're tired of telling our spouse repeatedly that we need more love, respect, sensitivity, attention, help with the kids, help around the house, the need for more space, whatever it is. It's the motivating emotion that leads us to roll our eyes in in resentment at the people we claim to love most. Eric Redman wrote, It's the emotion you experience when your expectation of justice is not met. It's an emotion of great concern within, not a simple emotion of passing things. When you feel anger, you have great concern, and it fuels almost everything ugly. That said, righteous anger can be a good power. When it's under control, self-control, think, think of Jesus our Lord in the temple, flipping tables and chasing people out. That's anger, righteous anger, for they had turned his house of prayer into a marketplace. It is just to be angry at injustice and evil. And while righteous anger can be a great power when controlled, unrighteous anger, unbridled anger, is dangerous. And if we're honest, we're all affected by anger at some level. Some of us have been harmed by someone else's anger. Some of us have anger issues, and we know it. It's a battle that we fight. A lot of us are like the Incredible Hulk, Bruce Banner. What's your secret? My secret is I'm always angry. Just simmering under the surface until someone drops one more thing into our pot and we boil over hatred everywhere. I've dealt with anger my entire life. And I mean entire life from the earliest memories I have when I was little, like elementary school. I, I dealt with anger that turned outward and violent, which was sad and pitiful to see like a little kid try and be angry. Uh, I remember one moment. My sister and I were hanging at the church my dad worked at. We were were there after school. And and my, my sister probably said something justified and mean to me because, you know, we're siblings. And I remember being filled with so much rage, I just wanted to kick her. But I knew if I kicked her, I would get into trouble. And so I slammed out the door of the church, went to the brick wall, and started beating the brick wall as hard as I could. I just couldn't contain the anger. I continued until my dad came out and called me out in love. And thankfully, he got our family a punching bag next week. And, and when I was saved, when God rescued me from that overt anger. And instead of outside anger, it largely became an inside anger. Maybe some of you can relate to this. It's an anger that's quick to be mean and vicious to strike at myself. And it's led to crippling anxiety and self-image issues at times. I say that So we all recognize that anger can be outward. Maybe we think of that stereotypical anger. But anger can be inward. And anger affects us all. There are times that we are like Jonah. And we may even find ourselves angry at God. The passage today is short. And we finally see that Jonah does have a problem with God. From the beginning, as Youngblood says it, fear that divine justice would suffer at the hands of divine mercy. This is Jonah's worst fears realized. Therefore, Jonah wants to die. This passage parallels the section in Jonah 2, 1 through 11, where Jonah prays from the belly of the fish, except where where Jonah, in chapter 2, Jonah prays a prayer of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from the pit. This time, his prayer is a complaint. It's ironic because he's complaining about the same mercy that God had showed him. It's just now being dispensed in a different direction. So we could see these sections as counterpoints. This section is also unique as it's the first dialogue we read between Jonah and God. Before it's either God addressing Jonah or Jonah addressing God. Here we get back and forth. And here, let's call it what it is, Jonah's doing business with God. And God is with him and is speaking to his angered prophet. One last thing that's interesting to point out context-wise before we really start to dig in. If we consider the structure of Jonah 2, 1 through 11, and Jonah 4, and if these are the crisis points of God, of Jonah going to God, it's interesting that both crises in Jonah were triggered by interactions with Gentiles, pagan Gentiles, interacting with the sailors, interacting with the Ninevites. Both of those interactions lead him to crisis, and both with a desire to die rather than repent and do what God wants. Both times, God extends an invitation to his prophet to embrace rather than resist sovereign mercy and grace. That said, let's look into our text. And as we start, I do want to read uh, Jonah 3.10 as it kind of primes this. This is Jonah 3, verse 10. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with. And he did not do it. So remember, Jonah, two and three. Uh, well, Jonah three, Jonah gets resent to Nineveh, and his sermon is, "Hey, God's going to destroy you because you're evil." and all of Nineveh repents. And so then we get that God relents the disaster. He did not do it. Chapter four, verse one. Jonah's response. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. So Jonah's immediate response. As God is merciful, maybe he's counting down the days until the disaster's coming. And the sun rises and the sun sets and nothing happens. It's great displeasure. It's a grimace. It's a scowl carving itself on his face. And it's not just displeasure. Furious. Filled with rage. His face grew red. His pulse quickened. Perhaps he muttered angry, evil words under his breath. Because the Ninevites deserved wrath. Make, make no mistake, they were not good people. They were evil. Mercy is God not giving Nineveh what it deserved. They deserved destruction. God was merciful and did not do that. They, they repented in sackcloth and ashes, so the punishment was suspended, mercy extended, and Jonah is ticked. He's mad. Mercy makes Jonah mad. And and if we're honest, we oftentimes can get mad at mercy too. Especially when we feel like it's crooked justice, unjust actions. When a judge chooses to spend a weighty punishment to a clearly guilty person, we don't say, oh, he's merciful. We go, that's not just. Especially when it feels like there was corruption at play. We get mad at mercy Oftentimes because we forget that God is the perfect judge. He's incorruptible. His decisions are perfect or he ain't God. Verse 2, Jonah goes to the Lord. Let's read it. He prayed to the Lord, "'Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster.'" we finally get why this whole thing went down the way it did. What was Jonah upset about in the, first pa- in the first place? Because he knew God was gracious and compassionate. He knew. So he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach because he didn't want God to act according to his own character. That's how deep Jonah's hatred of the Ninevites goes. And again, They're not nice people. They're the literal enemies of Israel. They had destroyed, killed, pillaged. Look at the news. You can see the images right now. They were not their friends. And Jonah could not stomach the fact that God may just be merciful. So God had to stomach Jonah in the belly of the fish. Show him that grace and mercy that Jonah didn't deserve so that Jonah would at least half-heartedly obey his God. And even though Jonah listened to his actions, he obeyed God's command, he went to Nineveh, he preached the message that God told him to, he was still mad that his fears came to be true, angry in God's consistent mercy, that God is merciful to the enemies of God's children, because that's what it would be. That's really what it would have felt like. Remember, Israel was God's covenant and chosen people. They had like a marriage ceremony on Mount Sinai. They were supposed to be the nation of nations. They were supposed to be a light into the world. Yahweh was their God. They were his people. He was supposed to be merciful to them and punish all the enemies to make himself look good in that nation. Great. This, This felt like God was blessing the enemies of God. And it bewilders Jonah. God wasn't meeting Jonah's expectations. More accurately, Jonah's expectations of God were incorrect. Is that not relatable? It is to me. I mean, have you ever felt this way in your bones? Lord knows that I have. There have been so many times where the way things have gone down have tried my faith mightily. Talk to my wife, she can testify. From the classics of why does God let righteous people suffer and die in horrendous ways? To broader existential questions. Why are there so many wars going on right now and people dying for all sorts of wrong-headed reasons and there's innocent civilians being crushed under rubble? Why, Lord? Why does God allow people who slander to slander those who are honest? Why does God let the wicked prosper? I mean, has not God read the book of Proverbs? Does He not know what he said? And there are times, like Jonah, I go to God in prayer and I'm just bewildered and frankly mad at him. I'm mad and he reminds me, like he'll remind Jonah, like he reminded Job, he's God. I'm not God. His ways are not my ways. His ways are higher than my ways, praise the Lord. His thoughts are higher and perfect, and so I do what any mortal does, (laughs) repent and throw myself on the grace of Christ. Allow him to comfort me to continue to partner with him and work. But friends, it is painful when the thoughts we have of God, the wrong beliefs we have of God, are brought out and laid bare. Sometimes we get reconciliation. Sometimes we get the resolution. Sometimes God leads us right through the valley of the shadow of death, as we sing. I don't like that psalm! Why? Through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord! No, 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 find a different path. Let's stay on the mountaintops the whole way. Why through the valley? And not just that, you're going to make a table in the presence of my enemies. No, 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 no. Kill my enemies. Let's go home. make me a feast. But he goes with us through the valley of the shadow of death. What's Jonah's idea? What is Jonah so What, what is Jonah so what? He sees this play out, this miracle, this great rescue of Ninevites. What's his so what? Verse 3, and now, Lord, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. This is Jonah chapter 1 all over again. The pagan sailors say, hey, there's a storm. We know it's you. What do we got to do? We don't want to die. And Jonah should have said, hey, I'm wrong. I've sinned against God. Let's turn the boat around and I'm going to go to Nineveh. That's what he should have said. Instead, he goes, throw me overboard. The storm will stop. I, I just don't I want to die. I don't want to listen. He would rather die than repent. And now, because God did not exercise his divine justice how Jonah thought he should, he just wants God to smite him. Just smite me, Lord. It's better for me to die than to live. This world, your mercy's so unfair, God. I would rather die than live in a world where the enemies of your chosen people are spared. It's wild, but it's relatable. But for a lot of people, that is not far from our lived experience. Now, we may not go to the lengths of self-harm and suicidal thoughts when God doesn't want us to do. Sometimes we do. But there are many people who just then disengage from God, go through the motions. Their Facebook status, if you go, you know, that religious beliefs, it still says Christian. Maybe it has the little, like, Ichthus Christian fish as their, like, cover. But they cut God off from the decision-making wheel. It's not Jesus take the wheel, it's Jesus get out of the car. I want your salvation, but I don't want your lordship anymore. It hurts too much. I trust you with my soul, God, but I don't trust you with my life. And the wildest part of this whole thing, and this is the, the part that needs to make us marvel at God, he meets with Jonah. He speaks to Jonah. Not, which, not, not with harshness, which I'll be honest, he deserved. Oh God, you worked according to your character and spared these thousands of people. How dare you? And God doesn't come down and smack him. He is there with his presence and desire to give Jonah wisdom. And he asks, verse 4: the Lord asked, Is it right for you to be angry? What a question! Is it right for you to be angry? It's so reminiscent of the book of Job to me. But, but what a loving response from God. And it's so tender and it's so fatherly. In my head, Jonah's storming off, sulking in anger, muttering angry prayers, probably cursing under his breath, hoping that his curses would carry where God's has not. And I can just picture God walking beside him with a firm, neutral, but kind face, putting his hand on Jonah's shoulder and asking, Hey, Jonah, is this right for you to be angry? Is this righteous anger or unrighteous anger? Why are you so mad that I spared the Ninevites the same way I spared you? Is this right? And that's how our scene ends today, with God coming near Jonah's anger with a probing question. And, and we will culminate our study in Jonah next week, and then we'll launch into Advent. But for now, we need to sit in the drama, sit in the tension. Is it right for you to be angry and ask our question of so what? So what? Guys, I, I disliked preparing for the sermon this week. Just to be honest. There were hours spent frustrated that this is what I had to preach on. Why couldn't Mike get today? I want the sharing your faith. So what? First, recognize the power of God And the presence of God who walks with Jonah even while he's in anger and sulking. Jonah's in the wrong. Jonah's the bad guy. He's mean, he's nasty. God's doing what God does. And yet, God is with him, God is with us, even when we're in the wrong. He's after our hearts, just like the Ninevites' hearts. I'm I'm reminded of the hymn, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You guys know this old song? Beautiful song. Uh, the, The words, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Or what peace we often forfeit, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And yet so often we say, no, Jesus, I'm mad. Get out of the car. I'll do a better job than you. But how incredible is it? Even in that, Jesus is there with us. With us. When you're angry and despondent and you are mad at your dad and you slam the door and curse at him, he's just there with you. In love. He'll he'll help you get better. (laughs) He's not going to leave you there, but he's there. How incredible is it with Jesus? We are with God. One thing we can praise Jonah here for. One thing. Chapter 1, he hears something he didn't like from God, and he just runs away, doesn't pray. Here, he's so mad, he goes to God. Friends, recognize this. No matter what you're going through, no matter who you're angry at, you cannot lie to God. Go to God in prayer. He's with you. Second, recognize that God's character is perfect. He's sovereign. There will be times that we feel something needs to happen that will not happen. And God will use the ugliest of situations, and we may be very upset. But we have to remember that God is good We have to trust in his character, that his justice is excellent. And friends, again, I said this in Sunday school, but this is where we need to rely on some of our brothers and sisters who are older in the faith. There have been times in my life where people have wronged me deeply and I just want to spit at them. And I need to hear from people who have gone through that before that God is still God, that he's still in control. Lastly, Do you hear the call to love your enemies? Do you remember that? This isn't just share your faith. Yes, share your faith. I'm sure Jonah's like, I'll share my faith with all these wayward Israelites. There's enough of them. No, to your enemies. And not just to love your enemies, to bless them, to seek their salvation when they didn't deserve it. Why would I go there and preach in Nineveh? They killed my uncle, Jesus. They don't deserve it. Do you have an enemy? Or someone who has become an adversary? Maybe someone who's wronged you, slandered you, hurt you. Do you have an enemy that you wish God would just change or smite or shake or something? A person who, if you were honest, you want them to feel the full wrath of God. Someone come to mind? I've got a couple. Let me just open my heart. I've got a couple. Here's what God challenged me to do this week. I have people who I have felt and feel like are adversaries, enemies. And it's easy to let our hearts grow hard and to, like Jonah, not want God to spare them but to punish them, to just lay all the sins bare. God, like, just strip them naked and bring them through the streets so we can throw stones at them. That would be just. But we should be praying that God would spare them, be merciful to them, we are called to do from Jesus, what we're called to do is to bless those who curse us. So as our enemies are hurting us, we're called to turn the other cheek and pray blessing over them. Trusting that the judgment is, the God, is God's and not our own. Friends, that's hard. That's hard. Some of us have deep wounds. Some of us don't just have enemies that are like little, oh yeah, my coworker said something kind of mean to me. I'm not, I don't mean to discount that. Some of you have been abused, molested, hurt, slandered, actually hit. Some of you have been deeply wronged. And to hear God saying, hey, forgive them, feels like a slap in the face. But we're being called to love our enemies. For while we were still enemies, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So I want to end with a tangible, practical step I'm going to invite you to participate. It's an invitation. You do not have to. You can do whatever you want to do. We're going to end in a time of prayer, and I'm going to lead us through it, but I'm going to invite you to bring to mind or picture the person or persons that have become your enemy. Bring them to mind. What do they look like? And we're going to bring that person in our mind before God instead of praying angry, smiting prayers we are going to pray that God would bless them, that God would save them, that God would reign supreme in their lives, and ultimately that God would help us forgive them. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're called to do the same. The person who would pray blessing and die even for our enemies, especially for those who don't deserve it, Because if we remember our stories, if you remember your story, I'll remember mine. I did not deserve God's grace. I was not extra special. Maybe extra specially angry and wrong. We don't deserve it. But God gives it to us out of his great and compassionate and gracious heart because that is who he is. So we go to prayer and we pray in line with his character that he would bless those who have hurt us, who have wronged us, and pray that God would bless them. So I'm going to invite Daryl and Christiana up. Friends, this is an invitation. I'm going to lead us through this thing. Uh, Pray with us. Close your eyes. And as we go, if, if this is too much for you right now, you don't want to do this, grace and peace to you, that's fine. That's fine. But if you want to step into this invitation to bless your enemies before the Lord, I invite you even now, let's go And let's pray. So please close your eyes with me.